Welcome to another episode of RT Plus. I'm Rup Sen and I'm joined today by Katie Stephen, John Coley, Iona Wright and Ian Hawthorne. In today's RT Plus, we are going to shine a spotlight on the regulatory hot topic that is product governance. The FCA recently published a review into product governance under MIFID 2, giving some wide ranging recommendations to authorised fund managers that will also be of relevance to MIFID investment firms more broadly. While at a European level, we have seen firms transitioning to interim version 3.1 of the MIFID template or EMT published on 12th of February, with an aim to assist compliance with level one of the EU Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation, also known as the SFDR. With all of this taking place, we thought it would be a good opportunity to shine a spotlight on product governance and all the sorts of considerations the market is contending with right now. So to kick this off, firstly, uh, John, why is product governance important generally? Thanks, Arab. Um, this is a very important area. So product governance has both been a, a key hot topic for the FCA for some time. And it's also an area that businesses continue to receive regulatory challenge. Now, as you've indicated, there are also more and more synergies between product governance and other growth areas. And this means organisations need to consider it holistically across their business models and make sure they're not looking at it on a siloed basis. So in overall terms, product governance refers to the systems and controls that financial institutions have in place to design, approve, market, and then manage products across their life cycle. Now, effective product governance should therefore result in businesses designing products that clearly meet the needs of an identified target market that those products are sold in a fair and appropriate manner, including through the right distribution channels, and also critically helping ensure that clients and customers consistently receive fair outcomes. Now, unfortunately, there have been many examples of where businesses have got this wrong over recent years, so that a very famous one is PPI misselling, but the, the consequences of doing so can be very damaging to customers, a business's brand, and also its ability to make sustainable profits over time. So it's therefore critical for businesses to really get this right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for that, John. Um, moving on to Katie, uh, what are the lessons that can be learned from previous enforcement action in this area? Yeah, thanks, Ara. Well, as John has mentioned, there have been a number of cases involving product governance failings in the past. And just to give you an idea of some of the common issues, I think one of the key things is recognising that a product might attract vulnerable customers, but really failing to put in place specific and robust controls on the sales process. So things like providing adequate training to advisors around the target customers um, and about the risks involved in the product and failing to react adequately to indications of the possibility of unsuitable sales or identify the need to go back and do a past business review and also failing to report issues to the regulator and that delay then contributing to a delay in addressing any issues. One of the other things that the enforcement action has highlighted is that effective product governance is important not only when a new product is being designed and launched, but also where changes are being made to existing products. So weaknesses in product governance during the life cycle of existing products can result in unfair outcomes for customers which are not identified or resolved for sometimes quite a long period of time. 
Something we've also seen is failures to follow the established product governance process, particularly in the context of unusual circumstances such as the pandemic. And the FCA really expects firms to comply with their own procedures, even when this is made more challenging by individuals working remotely or when the market's developing at speed and firms are having to react. And the other thing worth noting is that the FCA can take action for these sorts of systems and controls failings, even in the absence of any actual evidence of customer detriment. I think another thing to bear in mind is that under the FCA's penalty policy, the fines for product governance failings can be significant, particularly where a significant number of customers have been impacted over a really long period. But you also have to take into account the costs involved in any remediation exercise, and those can be uh, even higher than, than a penalty that's imposed and take up significant resources in terms of management uh, time. On the positive side, where firms do proactively compensate customers in connection with governance failings, that's likely to be taken into account as a mitigating factor when the FCA is calculating um, any penalty. And just the last point to make is that the implications for individuals under the senior managers regime, where they've either breached the conduct rules or where they could be knowingly concerned in a breach by their firm, and we know that individual accountability is a real focus for regulators. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Katie. Um, so turning to the FCA's recent uh, MIFID product governance review, which was published uh, on the 26th of February. Iona, can you provide a summary of the key findings? Sure. Thank you, Eric. So the FCA's review looked at how a sample of eight UK authorised fund managers had taken the product governance rules under MIFID into account throughout the product lifecycle of certain of their UK authorised funds. These funds were made available to UK retail investors through platforms on an advised or an execution only basis. Overall, the FCA found that some asset managers were not undertaking activities in line with its MIFID regime, which is set out in the FCA's product intervention and product governance sourcebook, known as PROD. And it also noted that there was significant scope for asset managers to improve their product governance arrangements. In particular, the FCA called out four key areas of concern across product design, product testing, distributors, and governance and oversight. Starting first with product design, the FCA has made it clear in its report that identifying the target market is a key requirement in PROD and an important initial step in any sound product governance process to evidence compliance with the customer best interest rules. In this respect, the FCA found that only one asset manager appeared to have considered the negative target market concept, which requires identifying customers for whom a product is not compatible. Separately, the FCA also noted that frameworks for managing conflicts of interest did not appear to be effective in all cases, with the review calling out product characteristics, such as charges, objectives, and general operation as key areas that required careful consideration and management from a conflicts perspective. Product testing was the second area of focus for the FCA, with the review highlighting that PROD also requires asset managers to conduct scenario analyses to assess the risks of poor outcomes and circumstances where they could occur. Whilst all manufacturers could evidence that some scenario and stress testing had taken place, their application varied with concerns raised around the extent to which analyses considered all applicable product-specific characteristics and how relevant and recent scenarios considered were. 
The FCA also found that cost disclosures required improvement in a number of areas, notably consistency of disclosures in regulatory and marketing documentation, and also certain charges, such as portfolio transaction costs, being omitted from certain documentation. Distribution was the FCA's third key area of concern, having identified variable sufficiency of due diligence undertaken by product manufacturers in relation to distributors. It was flagged that due diligence of this nature is particularly important to determine the extent to which the distributor has the capacity to sell a product properly to the identified target market. The review into distribution also identified widespread challenges in getting end client data from distributors, even when asking for this information directly. The FCA is of the view that asset managers could do more to challenge distributors around the depth and breadth of information they can provide. As a consequence of this, the FCA found that management information around customer outcomes was compromised, which impacted asset managers' abilities to identify potential conduct risks and take timely action to address these. I will wrap up now with a fourth and final area of concern, which is governance and oversight. The FCA's review on this area identified a lack of clarity in the role of the second line of defence, which appeared to reduce the ability for meaningful challenge from second line representatives. This theme also extended to the role of independent non-executive directors, where the FCA observed variable quality in engagement and proactive challenge. Furthermore, record keeping was cited as poor generally, with a lack of documentation of effective challenge and end decisions. In a post-senior managers and certification regime world, it is worth noting that this can leave businesses and individuals particularly exposed. To finish, the FCA also identified that staff training could be improved, with greater focus on the importance of the needs of and outcomes for the end investor. As a reminder, demonstrating required knowledge and competence is necessary to comply with firms' obligations under the FCA's senior management arrangements Systems and Controls Sourcebook. Great. Thank you, Europe. That's all from me. Thank you very much, Iona. Lots of uh, lots of information there to to digest. Uh, now, finally, uh, Ian, uh, what actions uh, should businesses be taking in response to the review, uh, and what might the FCA do next? Thanks, Europe. Given the concerns raised by the FCA, which Iona talked about, it's highly likely they'd expect to see what firms have done in response to this review. So businesses should look at their product governance arrangements to ensure that they're supporting the delivery of consistently fair and appropriate customer outcomes. So some steps that businesses should consider in response to the review include reviewing the extent to which their processes for defining the target market and negative target market are sufficiently robust at the outset and across the life cycle of a product, assessing how they test product performance under stress, do stress testing scenarios consider a broad range of plausible but severe scenarios? And consider also the extent to which any scenarios used may need to be refreshed to cater for more recent events such as COVID-19. Reviewing information and communications is also important to ensure that they meet the needs of customers and that they're sufficiently clear, fair and not misleading. And importantly, that messaging is consistent across any suite of communications so as not to confuse customers. Assessing how well arrangements for onboarding and then overseeing the activities of distributors is also important. 
And more generally, from an oversight perspective, businesses should consider the effectiveness of committees involved in product approval and oversight in practice. Do they appropriately challenge and probe around potential areas of risk, for example? Do they have the right level and depth of management information and reporting to enable effective oversight and decision making in practice? And does record keeping demonstrate effective oversight takes place? And this is really important that this is evidenced. And finally, to what extent do the lines of defence have clarity on their roles when it comes to the provision of oversight, scrutiny and challenge? And is this delivered effectively in practice? Now to wrap up and address the second part of your question, um, the FCA has said that it is likely to undertake further work on product governance in the near future. And this may include making amendments to rules and guidance in order to better address key sources of harm throughout the product lifecycle. And just to conclude before I hand back to Arup, given this focus, it is likely that the FCA will be asking questions of businesses around the actions that they're taking in response to this review in particular. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Ian. And thank you to all of our speakers. Um, if you'd like more information uh, on the uh, FCA's product governance review, um, please visit regulationtomorrow.com or do get in touch with your normal Norton Rose Fulbright contact. Thank you.